A quick heads up: this episode will contain some explicit and potentially offensive language. For someone who may have never used Grinder before, can can you explain to me what the platform is and how it works? It's basically an intimate platform、um, where gay men hook up for sex and for dating. Basically, you just download the app, you create a profile, and in your profile you talk about yourself, and you just scroll through and see people's pictures or whatnot. The primary interface with Grinder is a wall of faces or torsos, you know, kind of squares going left to right and then down in rows. You know, if you like somebody, you can either tap them, which is a you know a, a way of saying hi, but without saying hi, or just send them pictures or say hi. The top leftmost kind of face or profile is yours. The one. The right of you is the one most close to you, and then it kind of goes again left to right, going downward in distance from you. The purpose of the app is to make it incredibly simple and easy to find the people that you find sexually attractive, who are most most near to you, and then get more physically near to them. I just want to get on Grinder to get off. I just want to get my my rocks off. So the last voice you heard was Sinekhan Kiyodara. Sinekhan lives in LA, and like most gay guys who are on Grinder, he's constantly going back and forth between downloading the app and then deleting it and then downloading it again. But it wasn't until about six months ago when he upgraded to Grinder Extra. A paid version of the app, which gives you more features, access to more guys, a star button to favorite someone, that his experience started to change, and what used to be innocent fun, took a dark turn. I was browsing on Grinder and I and I came across this profile of an elderly gay white man, and all he had on his profile was you know not interested in Asians. And that really hit me like a ton of brick, and I just got really pissed off. And then all he put was that, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not even. First of all, I'm not even interested in him. And two, I don't want to have to see that. And then one one other time, like I said hi to this white dude, and all I said was hi, you know. And he's and he he wrote back to me, he said, Asian, ew, gross. It was just like, oh my god, it, that was really hurtful, and demeaning, and and I felt so. Attacked and humiliated and degraded and dehumanized, and I'm like, by just saying hi to somebody, and and what gave somebody the right to say something like that to another human being, let alone a fellow gay man? You know what I mean? A gay brother. When you run across that day in and day out, it's grating. It, it affects your self-esteem. You know the damage has been done, and why should gay white men have free roam to harass people? This is sexual racism, and it's also racial harassment and discrimination by allowing that racist action. It reinforces their mentality that hey, racism is okay. Look, this is allowed on Grinder, so this is normal. 
grinder is normalizing racism. This is Think Digital Futures. I'm Jake Morecambe. Launching just under a decade ago, Grindr has become the largest and most popular gay mobile app in the world, hosting more than 3.6 million active daily users. Predating apps like Tinder and Bumble and setting the groundwork for other popular gay dating platforms like Scruff and Jacked, Grindr has been instrumental in shaping how your phone can connect you to potential partners. But over the years, Grindr has been plagued by accusations from its community members that the app feeds racism. Users continue to report the racist bios of other users, where discriminatory and exclusive phrases like no rice, no curry, no blacks have been commonplace on the platform. And not only racist remarks in bios, but as you heard Sinekan Kiyodara, who just before was talking to his experiences, the direct racial vilification through personal messages. These accusations haven't gone unnoticed, where the app creator Joel Simkai called out racism on the platform in a 2014 interview saying he didn't like it, but also that he's not a sixth-grade teacher, and it isn't his job to police such things. Today on the show, we're turning that last statement into a question and asking, should Grindr police racism? Given the app is available in more than 190 countries, the legal answer to this question will be different depending on where you're looking. In Australia... I recently wrote a piece in which I argued that Australia is the best place in the Western world to be an online racist. And why is that? Well, because the legal constraints are so random and messy. Cyber racism expert Andrew Yakubovich explains while there is a patchwork of criminal law that could argue this behaviour is unlawful, each state has its own laws. Some states, racism is a crime, in others it is not. So the protection against racism, for the most part, is a civil protection, which Andrew argues is an ineffective one at that. In practice, there is a very inefficient civil process through the Human Rights Commission. Section 18C of the Racial Discrimination Act, which states an act is unlawful if done otherwise than in private, offers a degree of protection... However, Andrew says this process is already arduous and ineffective when considering racism experienced offline, in person. How has the online environment changed this landscape? The issue of jurisdiction just goes haywire. Legal arguments against racism that happen online a lot of the time fall apart because the lines of what occurs in public and what happens in private are so heavily blurred. The dating app story is a bit more complicated. While there are private communications going on, they're going on within the context of a semi-public environment. If people enter Grindr or those other dating apps, it moves into a one-to-one situation where other people can't discover what's actually happened. Then I think it becomes much more complicated. 
Australia isn't the only country failing to offer adequate protections. But Andrew argues that with our loose legislative system that prioritises anti-discrimination laws over a Human Rights Act, a place like the US, even with free speech enshrined into its constitution, has a stricter legal stance on racism than we do. That being said, neither here nor in the US are there parameters in place holding platforms like Grindr, let alone Facebook, Twitter and Google, legally responsible for enabling racist speech on their platforms. So with no legal responsibility and the protections on offer falling short to offer protection, Grindr really doesn't have to do anything. Sinekhan Kiyodara, however, believes Grindr has a moral responsibility to its users. His issue with the app isn't just that he'll run across a user's racist or exclusionary bio, but rather an inbuilt feature of the app that completely separates Grindr from any other mobile dating or hookup platform, something called an ethnicity filter. Like, for example, gay white men can just put gay white men and that's all that they see. So you can essentially filter people out. Yeah, so you can say, just show me 19-year-old white bottom twinks, and then it'll just show you a grid of, of folks that match that criteria. So this is Trevor Faden, a web developer from the States, and Trevor explains the use of filtering is everywhere on Grindr. There are age filters, filters based on sexual preference, whether gay, bisexual, sexually fluid, who you're into... Bears, cubs, twinks, daddies, jocks, nerds. And even filters based on your preferred sexual positions. Top, bottom, verse, bottom verse. But Sinekhan argues although these filters may make your next encounter easier to set up, it sends a damning message when you can filter someone out based on their race. It's this filter as well as the fact he's a paying customer using the Grindr Extra service, that led Sinekhan to pursue legal action and sue Grindr, instead in a class action case, on the grounds that the app perpetuates racism. A class action case is usually more common in the US and attempts to bring together a group of people who share a particular grievance. Sinekhan says he's currently in pre-litigation stages and has received messages from Grindr users all over the country, many showing him their support and two recounting their own experiences of racism on the app. But he's also received some pretty ugly messages as well, some of which he's shared on his Twitter account. One reads, If someone isn't attracted to a certain race, you can't force them to feel that attraction. Your entitlement is astounding. Another one reads, You're basically suing because you can't get no dick, which is pretty sad and pathetic. I personally wouldn't date Asians either. Nothing to do with race. I just don't like little dicks. What do you say to the people who come back with the counter-argument and say, oh, it's not racism, this is just my sexual preference? What do you say to that? Yeah, well... (laughs) You can have your preference, but a preference does not make it right. Your preference does not 
trump my humanity. Anybody can have a preference. Of course I have preference. You know, I don't sleep with everybody that I'm not attracted to. That's not what this is about. It's not mean that you have to sleep with Asian people or you have to be attracted to us. I'm not asking you to be. I don't need you to be. But I need you. I demand that you treat me with respect that I deserve as a human being, as a, as a fellow gay brother. So this whole bullshit about that's my preference. Well, fuck your preference. Keep it to yourself. Grindr have heard the calls of Cynic Han and users around the globe that the culture of the app and the ethnicity filter allow racism to thrive, to which Grindr have come out saying they've debated intensely on the possibility of deleting the filter. But ultimately, they decided not to eliminate the race filter. And get this, it's very disingenuous how they said it. They were like, well, you know, we thought about it. And they admit it by allowing people to filter by race, it fosters racism. But we also know there's a lot of you know minorities or people of color who use those race filters to find their own community. That is bullshit. I take offense to that because me as an Asian man, I have never once go and filter out Asians and so I can look for my, my Asian brothers. I'm like, no, I've never done that. And none of my friends that I know have done that. They're using us as a shield. We're not taking away the race filter for the good of the Asians or for the minorities. or for, You know what I mean? That's, that's bullshit. And why do you think Grindr is so filter-focused? The app is about hooking up, right? It's about getting to, hey, I found this person who's close to me that I want to do something with, so let me find the easiest way of doing it, right? And if you know what you're looking for and you want it now, here's where to go. That's where they make their money, right? The more that you're able to do that, the more the app serves its primary function. Uh, not necessarily how do we create a community that is more diverse and embracing of its diversity. Not only could Grinder remove the ethnicity filter... But app developer Trevor Faden says there are other features supporting the argument that the app feeds racist behaviour. Features not publicly available. Basically, all I did was reverse engineer their private APIs. Essentially meaning he accessed the back end of the app to look at traffic. The requests being made from your phone to the server allowing you to see other people and chat to them. But there was one feature hidden from the public grinder interface that interested Trevor. And one of the things that I noticed was that a request your phone makes to Grindr's servers is on your profile, inside your preferences, there's an option or an attribute rather that says blocked by, right? And it was a list of IDs. A list of all the people that have blocked you people you may have never spoken to, or people you have spoken to, but then they all of a sudden dropped off your grid. When I saw that, I thought, okay, that's really cool. Kind of scandalous. What if I just expose that? So he did. Trevor launched Cockblocked, a web tool, using the same colour scheme and logo of the app itself. So it allowed you to log in to your Grindr uh, account, 
and then it would pull that list and then it would pull the profiles for all those folks. And then you could just see a list of all the people that blocked you on the application. In just a week, more than 60,000 users logged on to see who'd cut them off. Trevor then reached out to a couple of queer online publications and networks, not only to tell them about Cockblocked, but also to appraise its legitimacy and that it wouldn't steal or hold any of your information hostage. The story was picked up by a number of news outlets, mostly talking to and debunking the security concerns. But there were a number of people who actually came out with their experiences in regards to who had blocked them, namely men of colour. What many people had found was you could be a young black male and you could find that there were a bunch of older white men who had just blocked you, that you had never spoken to before. And what does that, you know, what does that mean? A lot of people seem to have really recognising a pattern in the people that blocked you. Cockblocked only ran for a week in March before Grindr instructed Trevor to shut it down, as he had violated the app's terms of service. So beyond these anecdotal experiences, there's not a whole lot of data out there. But it's safe to say... In the swathe of stories coming out from Grindr users, their platform being reverse-engineered to expose men of colour being blocked disproportionately by white men, and two, a brewing legal case against them. Grindr have had to do something. Go back to Mexico. People like you are the reason that Ebola exists, and I hope that you catch it and you die. You're such a dirty, disgusting rat from Southeast Asia. Towards like the uh, end of September, Grinder unveiled their Kinder initiative, putting a face to the experiences of those who, much like Sina Khan, have been subject to racial discrimination on the app. I think the racism that's not overt but that's covert is the 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 main problem i I was eager to get his response to the initiative as somebody who's been harassed and discriminated against as a gay man from his own community when i saw when you know they had a line that says you know our preference is kindness it, it made me cry and and i posted you know what i said racism hurts and kindness heals and in some ways reading that healed me a little bit it was validating to be acknowledged that it exists and that it hurt us. I, I give them credit. I, I, I do have to give them some credit. But I don't think, based on what they're saying, they don't want to take away this filter. It doesn't seem like it's coming from a, a genuine place, like they're trying to fix the problem. This is, to them, damage control. You know, I want to see concrete action. The times for, like, gay white men or any racist gay men to, to treat other gay men this way, it's over. Do you think racism is particularly prevalent in the gay male community? No. I mean, I, I think racism is prevalent in the white community, period. The problem here, gay people are people who were born and infected by this racism, by the white man's burden, by white supremacy. That's the real problem here. You know, they bring that shit into the gay community. Just because somebody comes out of the closet doesn't mean that they get rid of their racist thinking or belief system that's been taught to them still today. I mean, society is a problem. Look on TV, even in Hollywood. It wasn't until crazy rich Asians that changed the game for Asian Americans. The problem is the media. The problem is society. The problem is the culture. And part of the problem here is is the gay media. 
when do you see an Asian man or a black man on the cover of any gay magazines or in TV shows? So yeah, to answer your question in, lo- in long-winded ways, no. But I think that gay men, though, gay men have taken it to another level. I, th- I think, you know, hurt people hurt people. So because gay people have been shit on all our lives and we come out and we, we shit on people who are less fortunate. Yeah, the problem is not just gay white men, but gay white men have been empowered to be racist. Sinekhan's legal call to Grindr is to remove the ethnicity filter, but also ban racist speech on the platform, where the use of a racial slur, either on your profile or in a personal message, could ban you, say, for two hours the first time, 24 hours the next, and permanently thereafter. The complete banning of racist speech, however, cyber-racism expert Andrew Yakubovich argues does little to discourage racism and can, in some cases, add more fuel to the fire. But he also says Grindr is in a unique position. Grindr claims that it wants to be a discrimination-free zone. Is that too optimistic? It's not impossible. The values that Grindr claims to want to see embedded in the practices of their side have to be demonstrably uh, shown to operate in all situations. Hey, they're making a lot of money. They can do it. (laughs) They can do it. Think Digital Futures is made possible with the support of 2SER, the University of Technology Sydney, and is heard around Australia via the Community Radio Network. 2SER is produced in Sydney, which is on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, of whose sovereignty was never ceded. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on iTunes. Just search Think Digital Futures. I'm Jake Morecambe. Thanks for listening.